Hello everyone and welcome to the kickabout. It's treble glory for Man City and West Ham celebrate their first European trophy in 58 years. I'm your host Chris. And I'm Dan. And welcome to the last episode of the season, episode 134. Another season comes to an end, Dan. Mm. Here we are, end of season three. Why aren't we big time yet? Why aren't we like millionaires? I mean, that's partly our own fault, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, uh, much work to be done on that front. But um, yeah, it's amazing how quick the time has gone to get to three years. Um, we've actually got not. You've a- got a big old wad of cash sat there in front of you. Yeah, but that's for hose and stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> for the stag do. Yes, for the stag do, yeah. It's when I go to Brighton. It's got to be, it's got to be careful to check the hardware before I start throwing it about. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we, we come to another end of another season. Um, it's all ended in quite a, an amazing way for English clubs. But uh, we've actually got quite a lot to talk about tonight. There's a lot of transfer mm. news flying around. We've got a bit of an end of an era terms to some of the football players that are either moving on or retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, plenty to talk about. So um, let's get into it and start with your stat. Down the stat, man. So a uh, nice easy one for you today, Chris, on being in. as you're on your own. Yeah. Um, so Manchester is only the second city with two different European Cup slash Champions League winners. What other city? Um, yeah, I could have a fairly uh, good guess on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, right, we will then uh, get straight into talking about the two big games from last week. Um, we'll start with the more recent one, uh, the Man City into Milan game. Uh, we both watched it together. We uh, we watched all ninety minutes of it. Quite an underwhelming game. Yeah, not the result that we all wanted. But... <laughs> Just like to say that Dan turned up in my ass in an Inter Milan shirt. <laughs> very, very impartial you were that night as to who you wanted to win. Um, yeah, it was just a weird game. I mean, we were all expecting, I think, Man City to blow Inter Milan away. Yeah. And Inter Milan, I thought, tactically, were absolutely outstanding. I think mm. they got everything spot on. Their approach was spot on. And in the end, they were very unlucky not to take that to extra time. Yeah, if it weren't for some great defending by Lukaku, I think <laughs> it could have been quite an easy game, that. He had a whale of a time, didn't he? <laughs> he came on, what, about half an hour to go? Yeah. And he, he squandered one or two chances, blocked a shot on the line from one of his fellow teammates and then missed virtually an open yeah. goal with like one of the last kicks of the game. So, yeah. Chelsea have got that to look forward to next season. <laughs> I bet they can't wait. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought their, their tactical approach, their energy was superb. But the, you know, the big question was as to whether they were going to be able to keep that up for ninety minutes. Mm. Um, were you disappointed with City? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem was we all just had it built in our heads that it it could be a three four nil game, um, especially the way they played against United. I mean, they dominated United, so I pretty much expected them to do more or less against Inter Milan. But to be fair to Inter Milan, they obviously had a game plan and. Had it, you know, had the strikers sort of had their shooting boots on, it could have been a completely different day. Yeah, I mean, it, there was even one, I, th- I think it was in the second half, 
uh, where Latoro Martinez got in behind on the left. Mm. Some, a bit, there was a bit of a communication breakdown between Akanji and, and Edison. And he just needs to roll it across. I mean, Lukaku, maybe he looked at Lukaku and based on what we saw later on, maybe that was why he didn't pass to Lukaku. Yeah. But I don't know who it was, but there was somebody coming on the edge of the box who was open as well. Mm. And he tried pitch, yeah, and he, he tried a shot that was just not on and Edison managed to make the save. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like even though the possession was reasonably one-sided, if you look at the stats and the numbers, but mm. in the, re- the reality of watching the game is that yes, he had the lion's share of the ball, but they really didn't do a huge amount with it. No, I mean, I think, I mean, it happened a couple of days ago now, but I can remember more of the Inter Milan chances than I can remember of the City chances. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't recall. Uh, I mean, I remember Haaland got in behind once in mm. the game. It was a very, it was yeah, another very quiet, game. very quiet yeah. game for Haaland. Um, and we're going to touch on him in a minute as well. Um, other than that, yeah, he he didn't he really didn't see much of the game. Grealish was quiet. I th- Personally, I thought the best player on the pitch was probably Bernardo Silva. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought he was outstanding. Did you see uh, Grealish begging him not to go? Oh, really? Yeah. Celebrating on the bus and you can just lip read him saying, please don't go. <laughs> I mean, he'll be a miss if he, do- if he does go as-, as expected that he will. I don't know why he wants to, to be honest. Like, you're at the best team in the world. I mean, he plays 90 minutes almost every single game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether it's because, you know, Pep does swap, so he will spend time on the bench, but thinking, yeah. you know, you're winning trophies almost every season. It's almost, it's as close to guaranteeing a trophy as you're going to get mm. with Man City, isn't it? Regardless of whether it's Premier League or something else. With Barcelona, I mean, that given that their financial situation hasn't really improved over the last 12 no. months, um, can they afford him number one? And number two, I know they won the league this year, but it was a, you know... There's no guarantees that that's well, going to happen they're again. They're not the favourites anymore. What for next season? For uh, for Bernardo Silva. Oh, are they not? PSG are now apparently. Um, okay. I mean, that's even less of a conversation to go to PSG mm. than Barca. I mean, at least Barca have got a European pedigree behind them or mm. whatever, whereas PSG have, have nothing. So look, we'll, we'll wait and see how that plays out. But yeah, I do agree. I think it would be a a strange one. I can understand the appeal to go to Barcelona because it's Barcelona. Yeah. yeah. But that appealed to, for me personally, if, you know, easy sat here drinking me coffee, sat in my, sat in my house. <laughs> um, but I don't know, is the appeal really there for PSG? I mean, is that league really that appealing? That's the thing. I mean, players that go there, they don't really tend to stay there that long. But I mean, Messi was there, what, two seasons? And look at the way the fans treated him. Yeah. The, the fans are trying to kick Neymar out there. PSG are doing anything they try yeah. to do to get him out. They've had to resort to giving Mbappe like fucking ownership of the club, ownership of the club <laughs> to keep him there. And I mean, look at the money that they've spent. You know, the owners that have come in. I mean, what have they had from a return point of view? Mm. I mean, they've had one final and one semi-final, I think, in, in the Champions League. That was it. Um, and they've not even won the league every year. They've lost out to Lille the other year. Yeah. So mm, that's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, back to the game. Spare a thought for Kevin De Bruyne. You know, would that have if he hadn't got injured? Do you think that maybe the game might have been different if he'd have stayed on the pitch just with his qualities? Yeah, I might have done uh, better on my build a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I mean, I feel sorry for him because he obviously missed the last Champions League final as well, didn't he? Well, not all of it, but pretty much exactly the same situation. Sort of had to go off early. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all know how unreal Kevin De Bruyne was. I didn't actually realise he was sort of in his 30s, to be Yeah, fair. 31 now, yeah. Yeah. Um, but apparently he's, uh, he might miss the start of next season as well. I so think. what was the injury? What was he done? From what I've read, he snapped his hamstring. Oh, mm. the fact that he was able to carry on yeah, for a little bit then is, yeah. is credit to him. 
Um, yeah, ma- massive adrenaline and stuff. Like yeah, ma- massive miss for them. And he, you know, it's a he, he probably feels like he's cursed now, doesn't yeah. he? And two finals in the same way, but uh, at least he was able to watch his side win this one rather than sit on the side and watch them lose as they did last time. Um, let's talk about Harland because we've now had a full complete season of of seeing him play and, and watching him score his goals. Um, I've obviously I made some fairly bold claims at the start of the season, which I had to backtrack on fairly quickly. But now having seen a little bit more towards the end of the season where, you know, Man City had to rely on other ways to win games, not just through Haaland, it's actually brought me back to sort of roughly where I was in the first place. It's just that Haaland scored an awful lot more goals than I thought he was going to. Mm. In that we've seen evidence now that if if Man City can't find the key to unlock the defence to get Haaland in behind or get that ball into that six-yard box, Haaland really offers very, very little, doesn't he? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see next season, now that you know teams have played against him, whether they're a bit better at defending against him. Um, because obviously, like you say, we, we've sort of seen if you manage to shut him out, he does sort of have a low impact on the game. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a big enough guy. He's good in the air. So he's got like the, the physical attributes to be able to to do other things like hold the ball up, win headers, etc. Um, but obviously Man City very rarely go long. Mm. It's not in their real it's not in their ethos to do that. So for me, you know, I'm not suggesting for one minute that he's been a flop or anything stupid like that. Clearly he hasn't been. Yeah. But I just do think that people need to rein in this whole he's the best player we've ever seen in the Premier League talk, because yes, he's a goal machine. He's just very, very good. He, he's got three or four skills as a footballer yeah finishing movement um you know one or two of those sort of close control when he's got the ball like that he is incredibly good at those things mm. but you look at some of the other attributes that it takes to be a top footballer he's not as good at some of them no um, and man city are just very good at honing in on those one or two things that he's very good at to make him look that much better mm. but i think if you put harland in a different team in the premier league i think he struggles yeah, yeah. I, I think if, if he doesn't have the sort of service like he's you know he's being serviced by Mares, De Bruyne, Silva, mm. Grealish, Gundogan, all these world class players. If you took you put him in, I don't know any of those other top sides. I don't think he does as well, with the no, exception no. of maybe Arsenal, just because they're probably the closest to Man City in terms mm. of the football they've tried to play this year. But yeah, I mean he is strong and quick enough that you know any mistake and he can pounce upon it. Mm. So it's an he's a bit of a, he's going to be a bit of an enigma, isn't he? He's, I think he is going to divide opinion. Um, I think everybody will be. Will happily um, come down and meet in the middle in, with regards to his goal scoring talents and finishing, etc. But I do think there is going to be this real split of whether you think he is a, you know, one of the Premier League's best, mm. etc. Versus all the you know the people who think that perhaps he, he needs to do more. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it'll all come down to whether he can do it. You know, two three seasons in a row. If he's scoring thirty plus goals. <laughs> two three seasons in a row then i think it's unquestionable that yeah. you know he's obviously one of the greatest um i'm not saying i don't think he'll be a one season wonder but now that teams have played against him players have played against him they know what his strengths are they know what his weaknesses are you know will he be as effective the second time round? yeah um and also teams are going to be you know sort of this season was almost like a bit of a new way of man city playing wasn't it mm. with, with Haaland up top so yeah, Premier League teams, you know, we've seen it with a number of other players in the past where players get a bit more sort of savvy to them and, mm-hmm. and, and help deal with them. So um, we'll have to wait and see. But 
yeah, you're absolutely right. If he does it for two, three seasons in a row, I think the argument disappears. Mm. Um, and and for the record, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being <laughs> a footballer that's only very good in certain aspects because it's clearly working for yeah, him. So yeah. it's by no means a bad thing. Um, let's talk um, about Phil Foden and his future. Um, because... I did see, and it was a, from a very bad source. Don't get me wrong; it was, you know, not a credible source. <laughs> it may as well have been like a Daily Star, <laughs> um, just suggesting that maybe uh, Phil Foden, for the sake of his own career, might need to think about moving away. What do you think about that? It's weird because he's very hot and cold with Pep. Like one minute, one minute he's in the team playing ninety minutes every single game. The next minute he doesn't play for like two months. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know, because I'm, I mean, sort of going back to FPR, I remember he was on a hot streak and I put him in my team. He didn't start a game for like four weeks. Yeah, it's, the trouble is with, with Foden is that he's, un, he's unquestionably improved under, under Pep. Mm. And I think, you know, you, you'd be hard pressed to think of a better manager to play under and improve under. The trouble is, is that because they have got this sort of recurring, incredible depth and the way that Guardiola likes to play, is, is he now be at the point where actually he needs to be playing almost every week? to continue his progression is he now being stifled by playing for six weeks and then sitting out for four yeah. where would he go though he can't go to Liverpool he can't really go to United I no. can't see him at Chelsea and I can't could, see him could he, go, could he go abroad yeah I mean, that's a bit of a place, step though isn't place, it it is but I mean he'd play every week they're in the Champions League they're competing for honours in, in Germany it'd be a It'd be a. But I think he's. He like, wouldn't be a like for like replacement for Bellingham. He's not mm, a million miles away in terms I think of being like twenty four now. I mean, you know, he's sort of getting closer to his prime. I don't think he's going to want to go to a, a feeder club like Dortmund. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I don't really know where, what I think on this because clearly, I, he's still I don't in... think he'll leave. I mean, he's sort of city born and bred, isn't he? Yeah, I, I couldn't see him leaving. No, I, I'd be surprised if Pep let him leave as well. Yeah. Because I think that Pep probably still values him. Yeah. Um, right. Let's um, just briefly talk about uh, John Stones as well. I think he's probably worth a mention. Mm. Um, a lot of pla- a lot of people, I think even Ali McCoyce was comparing him to Franz Beckenbauer, <laughs> uh, which is a bit of a stretch. But there's no questioning that he has made a fairly significant impact in that midfield area mm. since he switched in there. I mean, you know, they were talking in the commentary about how, you know, even though Rodri came up with a goal, which we'll talk about in a second, um, I think people, when, when teams come up against, coming up against him, because it is quite a new position for him, teams haven't really worked out what they need to do about it or mm. whether they even need to do anything about it. And what that means is, is that Stones is actually getting a lot of space on the ball and, a lot, and he's, he's being afforded a lot of space in the midfield. And he's... It's quite a little partnership he's struck up with Rodri already, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's so weird that he plays as a CDM now, but he, he does actually do it quite well. I mean, he's always been a, a very good ball-playing defender. Mm. Um, often at times, sometimes, you know, a bit of an overplaying defender in terms mm. of, you know, playing a bit too risky when he needs to. But that midfield combination is, is quite something. And I just wonder, you know, will, what will Southgate be thinking looking at that? Yeah... Yeah, Maguire must be loving it because he has one less player in the centre back <laughs> who's going to be uh, giving me any grief. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, one less centre back. We don't really have any centre backs. <laughs> as it is. Play two at the back is fine. Yeah. But so no, I think it depend, it'd be interesting to see whether that's now a set position for him. 
you know, as we go into next season, is you know, was this a, a sort of tactical switch, a tactical masterclass from Pep just to mix it up and keep things fresh? Or was this a, no, I genuinely feel like you can be a great CDM player in, and, and partner Rodri in that midfield? Yeah, I mean, well, he switched to this, like, back three sort of over the second half of the season, hasn't he? Um, since Cancelo left, which is weird because I feel like Cancelo would have been a great wing back. Yeah, it's, it, the Cancelo thing is funny, isn't it? Because uh, you hear Arsenal apparently being linked really? with him now. I, don't, I mean, Arteta's game plan is just sign enough Man City the, players yeah. until we win the league. <laughs> um, so, but no, I, there are. I can't think of too many managers. I mean, when Cancelo left, um, it, obviously he had a. It was a fairly quick turnaround between falling out with Guardiola and yeah, going to buy, and it was a, Bayern, yeah. a week or two in it really. But before that, Cancelo was. He was unreal. He was, a, he was a mainstay in virtually everybody's FPL team. He was he was outstanding, rate, rated as one of the best fullbacks in the league. And I don't think there were too many managers like Guardiola who can just say, "Yep, go on, off you go." It's 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 Ferguson esque, mm, yeah. Because Ferguson did that with a number of his players, didn't he? Like yeah. Beckham and Stam mm. and Keane and uh, Van Nistelrooy, all these players that you know were seemingly, you know you couldn't afford to lose them. They were just yeah. sort of like worth their weight in gold. And he would be like, nah, it's all right. And move more, we'll find someone else. Yeah. And it's that same attitude with Pep. And um, I think he deserves an awful lot of credit for that. And in, in talking with Pep now, um, where does he stand in the the manager's list, greatest all-time manager's list for you? Um, yeah, he's probably second, to be honest. <laughs> Who's first, Dan? You are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how how what was he? What would he need to do? I mean, if you if you took your your Man United hat off for a second, if you were looking at this in an objective way, what would he need to achieve and come and, and you know get to before he can surpass Ferguson in your mind? Problem is, it's difficult because I mean, when Ferguson was at United, there was a lot more competition. Um, I'm not saying there isn't now, but City have a much easier run in in my opinion than United did over the years that Fergie was in charge. Because um, obviously that's when Chelsea sort of first started to come into their money and stuff like that. Um, well, I mean, Fergie's won twenty six trophies um, in English football. I mean, Guardiola's on twelve now. Um, I I don't really like comparing players and uh, players from different eras and managers from different eras, yeah. just because I think times change so much that it's it's difficult to say you know, like such and such is a much better player or manager than such and such was 20 years ago. Um, but uh, Guardiola is definitely the best manager of his current era. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think it's, all, you know, a lot of people make very lazy comparisons between City and United with regards to the money that's spent mm. and, and these these sanctions that are, uh, are sitting over the top of Man City. You know, that, that may be the case, but we've seen already with other teams that just throwing money at something doesn't always yeah. mean guaranteed yeah. success. You've got to have somebody there that can put all the pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. together. Um, and I said to you on the weekend when we were watching the game, when we were talking about the formation that Pep has, has taken forward now, I just said that, uh, how long before other teams now try this because mm-hmm. he is a bit of a trendsetter. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was largely his brand of football at Barcelona, which sort of caught on around the world. Everyone, yeah. All of a sudden, everyone wanted to play this ticky tack of football. And now he's changing it again. It's almost like he's one step ahead of everybody mm-hmm. all the time. He's always but thinking of the next I thing. I think that's the sign of a great manager because that's my sort of thing with Mourinho. I feel like he's just been stuck playing the same football that he played, you know, back at like Inter Milan and Chelsea. Yeah. Um, one thing that did really surprise me was 
that um, Carl Walker was in the Champions League team of the season? Um, I'll be honest, I'm not sure I've watched enough of Man City in the Champions League to no. to sort of know whether that's a justified inclusion or not. Who would you have had instead of? Well, it's just the fact that he didn't even get in the team for the final just sort of made me think. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, there, was there a bit of... Um, a bit of a scene to on the sideline at the, in the final as well because Walker was meant to come on mm. and then he went back Guardiola changed his mind or whatever and then we didn't see Walker again for another five or ten minutes and yeah. the, the commentators were almost suggesting that maybe either Walker or Guardiola was annoyed with each other because mm. one wasn't ready or you know Walker you know didn't get on when he wanted to etc yeah. so yeah I don't know if there was anything going on there but I suspect the fact that they won probably swiftly uh, dealt with that yeah um so yeah, wonderful, uh, wonderful achievement for Man City. Um, I would say this though, and I think you brought this up in the chat. Um, I think the commentary may have gone a little bit overboard with some of the language they used, in particular one word, the use of the word fairy tale. Mm. Um, to me, that's not a fairy tale. No. Um, fairy tale to me means Leicester winning the Premier League. Leicester winning the Premier League uh, or a team like West Ham, for example, winning mm. the first trophy in fifty years. That's a fairy tale because it's not expected. Yeah. It's something that no one thought was realistically going to happen. I mean, all right, a lot of people thought West Ham would win the Conference League, but we haven't won a trophy for a very long yeah. time. Whereas Man City, this is this winning the Champions League with Man City has always felt felt like a when, not if, and this was just their year. Yeah. So I don't, if it hadn't happened this year, it was going to happen sooner or later with the money that they had, as long as you know Guardiola stuck around, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I think they went a bit overboard there, but still doesn't take anything away from the achievement. Um. I won't ask you again about the, the treble comparison because I don't think it's worth it, but already we're seeing loads of bitter and twisted fans trying to say that one is better than the other. Just just fucking accept the fact that, you know, different eras have different good teams and achievements and records are either going to be matched or broken. That's just how it works. Well, the weird thing is I've actually seen Liverpool fans on like TikTok and YouTube and stuff like that saying that, although they hate to say it, the treble winners to them are United. It's because they were the first... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I won't go into it, but yeah, I, I mean, I obviously it was a long time ago now. You know, yeah. that's what are we? It's just twenty twenty four years ago yeah, that, that happened. Yeah. Um, but I do remember the game or bits of the game and the fact that United came back in the right the dying mm-hmm. end of the game, like they did, made it that much more memorable, yeah. I guess. Um, but um, right. Let us move on then. Let's move on to the uh, the big game that we really want to talk about, which happened last Thursday night. <laughs> sorry, last Wednesday night. Uh, West Ham United beating Fiorentina by two goals to one. Mm. Um, <sighs> what a night that was. What what memories. I mean, the, the, this is the first time West Ham won a European trophy in 58 years. It's the first time we won a major trophy in over, I think it's nearly 40 years. I think since the late 70s, early 80s, I think it is. Um what this trophy means to West Ham, I don't think can really be put into words. And it it has really, listening to some of the comments on things like TalkSport, listening to the other fans and people calling it the Tim Pot Cup and stuff like that. It's <laughs> like, I think you can justifiably say, uh, excuse me, that if you're a top six club, that the Conference League is a trophy that would be seen with a little bit of, you know, kind of almost disregard. Yeah. But that trophy was created specifically for teams like mm-hmm. West Ham and Villa next season. You know, are we are we if, if Aston Villa win that trophy next year and they celebrate in the same way, are we going to be having the same conversations about them? What hasn't helped is that 
there seems to be this unbelievable need for everybody to compare their seasons with Arsenal. Mm. And West Ham fans have, have done it. Other fans have done it. And TalkSport pundits keep talking about it. They keep trying to say... Um, and it, it, it was also the case with the comparing United with Arsenal as to who's had the better season because United won a trophy because West Ham have won a trophy. Have they therefore had better seasons than Arsenal? And what's what it's now transcended into is this kind of sort of jealousy, almost like pointing fingers at each other. Yeah. So, well, yeah, but we've done this, but you haven't done this and you've been shit in the league and we've done this. It's like, why can't we just... Just separate them and just say, look, Arsenal have had a terrific season. Nobody expected them to be where they are. Yeah. Good on you. You've got Champions League football. Build on it. Who knows? You can have another another run at the league next year. West Ham have had a shit season. But we've won, a, to us, a major European trophy. It may not be a major European trophy to, to United or to City or to Liverpool. Yeah, fine. I accept that. But it is to fucking us. That's the equivalent of us winning like the FA Cup. Um, it's, it's the same It's the same thing. Those fans have got memories now that will last them for the rest of their lives. And... Frankly, there's no, there's no reason to suggest that it might not be another 20 or 40 years mm. before we were next win a major trophy. And I feel like the teams that win trophies on a semi-regular basis, it's almost like a bit of snobbery because they know that they're, you know, they've got a reasonable chance of winning trophies most years or at least be in the conversation. Mm. Whereas West Ham are never expected to win trophies. So, yeah, I, it, it has wound me up a little bit because it's taken the shine off of what should have just been all about celebration. It should have been all about the joy of what's happened. Um and, you know, just enjoying the moment, frankly. Reminds me of a bit in The Longest Show where he's like, can't we all just get along? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should put that in as a sound clip. Um, to the game, though, I mean, I'll be honest, Moyes' tactics made that game more tense than maybe it needed to be mm. because we all knew how he was going to play. Um, and because of that, we gave up large parts of the ball we you know we, we allowed Fiorentina to, to control the ball and what it meant was is that we were sort of constantly on edge because we were just sort of like sitting there and hoping that they didn't do anything with the ball mm. and in reality they didn't yeah um, they actually I thought Fiorentina were it wasn't a great game of football anyway but I thought Fiorentina were actually quite poor um, I was expecting more from them especially their wide players um, it is funny how like the game was sort of like nothing really happened until you scored your goal and then they scored straight away. But it's always funny how a team all of a sudden can't do anything, but as soon as they let a goal in, they managed to go and score down the other end straight away. Yeah, I mean, when we were watching the Man City game of the weekend, when it was nil-nil and it was a nil-nil for, for a long time before Rodri scored his goal, we both said that if, the, if, this, if this game does get a goal, it needs to be City. Yeah. Because if it's into Milan, they'll just sit back mm. and do what they're doing right now yeah. and it'll be a just a training session if Man City score Inter Milan are going to have to come out mm -hmm. and that's what happened Inter Milan did start to be a bit more adventurous yeah. and it made the game more interesting and I felt like even though I didn't want it to from a neutral I suspect it would have been the same that you would probably would have hoped that Fiorentina scored first mm. to force West Ham to come yeah. out a little bit yeah. Um, but um, yeah that's not how it uh, played out uh, the penalty what was your uh, what was your thoughts on it remind me a uh, long throw from Kufo. Uh, Burry goes to Chester down and then the matey kind of punches the ball. Oh, yeah. Um, One of those ones where it's kind of like, by today's rules, it's a penalty. Was it given? It was given by VAR. Yeah, was it the first goal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because literally the week before we were talking about the one that happened in the United game and then that's when I messaged and said, I wonder what Chris's thoughts are on this. <laughs> Um, 
It's a little bit different, I guess, to the Grealish one. But, I mean, you say he punches the ball. He's not Well, well I'm, No, I'm, I'm saying what the, the his angle of his arm and where the ball goes mm. is as if he's punched it. I'm not suggesting that he's deliberately trying to yeah. punch it, but the, because of his arm is in that forward motion as he's yeah. running, it's like he has punched it. Um, I think... I don't think you can get away from that not being a penalty, though. Um, the thing that, going back to your point there about Grealish's one, Grealish is jumping in the air. He's not looking where the ball is, and it's barely brushed his hand and hasn't changed any trajectory on but the ball. But his hand is up by his head. It is, but it's in a natural position. Would you not? Would you not argue that's know. a natural position? I don't know. Is that? When you jump up for a header, you you go like that, don't you? Yeah. Your your arms come forward. Maybe all right. That his high arm up, was maybe above his head. Um, but the thing is, when you're running, you don't run like a chicken with your hands behind your back. Do you no. Know what I mean, you, you know, you... Right. What what I was going to say was that even though his, you could argue that his arm is in a natural position. <laughs> um, I think his arm was that high because he's he's jostling with Bowen at the time. I think he's trying to almost yeah. pull it back a little bit. But obviously he has punched the ball out of Bowen. Bowen had the ball under control mm. and he's punched the ball or pushed the ball out of his control and therefore made a difference. So, I don't know. I think once it went to VAR, it was only ever going to be given. I think both are penalties, but only because that's the letter of the law. I think both are very harsh. So you think in a normal in a normal world, you wouldn't have seen either I, given? I think you just have to look at it with common sense, to be honest. I mean, the greatest one, I if you know, if it was down to common sense, I wouldn't give it. The other one, I'd say it's more of a penalty than the Grealish one, but yeah. I'm still like, you know... I can see why if you're a Fiorentina fan, you're probably a bit... Annoyed. Yeah, you know, imagine that was West Ham. You'd be a bit like, really? Yeah, I think there'd be some, there'd be some like, resignation. I think, oh, for fuck's sake, that's a penalty, isn't it? But yeah. You'd be annoyed that it was given in the first place, yeah. so I get I get your point. Um, obviously, Ben Rama puts it away, jubilant scenes, and then, yeah, Fiorentina got the other in less than four or five minutes later and score. Probably their only bit of quality in the game they did have a really good chance just after that as well which went wide um and then i mean when you when you're in that moment and everything's really tense and you you know you're kind of staring at extra time in the face is there anything better than a late goal mm, to win a cup final, final yeah. um Pakatar just justified his 50 million price tag with one pass um just to roll it through mm. i was Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we were going nuts in the pub. I, I really did think Bowen was offside when I first saw that. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was praying that VAR wasn't going to overrule it. <laughs> um, it was actually, it was given pretty quickly. By the time the celebrations had ended, they'd already greenlit it. Um, and it was, ironically, it wasn't the best of finishes either. Because no. he hit That's it straight into the ground yeah. and just bounced over the keeper. So, yeah, I mean, look, amazing, amazing scenes. Um Seeing all the players, I mean, I remember watching it the next day. I mean, even though I was really feeling a bit tender the next day <laughs> after the night on the beers, but I, I was just sat there watching some of the, uh, the 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 highlights. I watched the highlights again. I watched some of the stuff from the West Ham social media accounts in the in the changing room, and I was just sat there with a massive smile on my face. Just, you know, it was just it was so fucking good to to experience West Ham winning a trophy. I mean, to put it in perspective, I'm 34. I've never seen West Ham win a trophy unless you count the playoff final, <laughs> um, which was great because it was a final. It was at yeah. Wembley, but in reality, the the win all it meant was you were going to the Premier League. So that was the that was the joy. Whereas mm. this one is this shit. We have won a European trophy. You know, take your views out of it. That's a European trophy that will go into the history book. So, um, yeah, really, really awesome. The only thing that dampened things was. <laughs> Less than 24 hours after we won the trophy, 
David Sullivan rings up Talksport and says, "Yeah, we're probably going to sell rice." <laughs> it's like you prick! Could you have not waited like another day or so just to let us enjoy this? It was literally before we'd had the um, the fucking bus parade oh, really? in London. He he rang up at like nine o'clock the next morning, eight nine o'clock the next morning on the Jim White show um, to tell them that they'd, uh, you know, we yeah, we basically yeah, had this gentleman's agreement with rice that if the right offer came in, we wouldn't stand in his way. So irritatingly a lot of the noise the following day was about rice mm. and not about the fact that West Ham had just won this 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 cup so I was a bit annoyed about that um and on to that point let's talk about um about Declan Rice where do you see this situation going then um I've seen links of like cash plus Smith Row. I think Arsenal are hot favourites at the moment. Um, it's interesting that they seem to actually be, at the moment anyway, the only one. Yeah, I just don't... Chelsea, I think, have already made a move for this Agate or whatever his name is, and I think he's a CDM, so I'd be surprised <laughs> if they also went for Rice. Um, City, potentially, but, you know, if they've got Stones and that playing there, does he need Declan Rice? Um, Keep Calvin Phillips as a backup. Yeah, I think United have got bigger problems elsewhere um and with the whole takeover stuff going on and you're still trying to get mason mount as well yeah exactly i think if it weren't for that then you maybe united would be sort of throwing their hats in the ring but i think it's just the only sort of club that other than foreign clubs is arsenal really yeah and even then the only foreign club now i mean real madrid always had their eyes on bellingham Mm. but if they had a positional opening he would have been yeah maybe a, a, a plan b for them potentially i don't know but Bayern Munich have obviously been tapped with an interest. Thomas Tuchel apparently That's had a conversation. Quiet though, isn't it? I think pure, purely Bayern Munich will they, they historically have never spent that sort of yeah, money. Yeah. Um, and if they're going to buy Cancelo in the summer for the agreed fifty odd million or whatever it is, are they then going to blow another hundred million on mm-hmm. Rice? That just that's not the way German football operates. They need a striker as well, Bayern Munich. Yeah, they do. So they I, I Lewandowski. Yeah. So I don't see that happening at all. Um, I think that was just a um, a chancing his arm type thing. So, yeah, Arsenal. Now, the, the rumours today um, is that Arsenal have apparently approached West Ham um, for, for Rice, but apparently West Ham and Arsenal are significantly apart on their valuation of the player. Now, this could just be what normally happens in these negotiations. You know, West Ham say, I want A. Arsenal say, well, we're only prepared to pay B. Mm. And then at some point over the course of a couple of weeks, they then get closer and closer and then some way I meet in the middle and everyone's happy. It's going to most clubs do a transfer. Yeah, apart from Man United, who <laughs> eventually work their way all the way up to the the first valuation and, then and go pay more, and then pay, <laughs> and go just because we've been a bit of a dick to you, we'll give you an extra ten million. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, there's a, there's a couple of added nuances to this. I think that um, I think West Ham were in the back of their mind. I think that they were probably thinking that there were going to be lots of interest mm. and therefore they were going to be able to almost incite a bidding yeah. war, yeah. And I think if if Arsenal were the only ones who come forward with a, with a real credit interest, it's going to leave West Ham a little bit like, oh shit, what do we do now? Because mm. we were hoping that we could almost play them off against each other. And now if it's only Arsenal, we've got a choice because if, if Rice is, is absolutely adamant and no matter what terms you offer him, he's not signing another contract... We lose him for nothing next season because he will go at the yeah. end. In fact, that's a lie because we've got the extra. It'll be two years time because yeah. we've got the uh, the option to extend his contract by another year. Um, so, 
it's going to be interesting, but I think for, I think that West Ham, now that we've won this European trophy and we're in Europe again next year, I think West Ham will play hardball with this. Yeah. I think they will say, no, it's 100 million. They've just seen Bellingham go for 120 million to Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. We know that obviously Grealish went for 100. Um, so they'll be looking at those sorts of transfers and thinking, no, there's no, no way we're going to let Rice go for, for 70 or 80 million because... Mm you know, look at the rest of the market sort of thing. So if if Arsenal came forward and said, we'll give you 80 million plus Smith Rowe, I think I'd take that. Mm-hmm. I think that's very fair. I think Smith Rowe had a bad season last year. I think he had a lot of injuries. But the year before that, he was outstanding. And I think that he's got a lot of promise. And <clears throat> I can see him doing well um, with, with much more regular football. However... Is he a, is he a player? Because correct me if I'm wrong. Does he play off the wing? He doesn't. He plays off the yeah. left. He can play as a can. I think he started as a can, but mm. he started playing out on the wing. I'm just wondering where he fits in because is he going to get in front of um, Ben Rama? Probably. Like you could you making that case mm. for saying that? Um, although Ben Rama has been one of our better players this year, he's not going to get in front of Pakatar no. at the moment. The way he's playing, so. Does he come in as a... And also, we're rumoured to be seriously after Harvey Barnes, who's another player who plays off the left. So I'm not sure Smith Rowe is the player that we need. Mm. If they turned around and said, we'd give you... Um, what's his name now? Belunga, the striker? Balogun. Balogun, sorry, yeah. If they offered him, based on what he's been doing in France this year, I'd be tempted. Yeah. Um, especially if we offload Skamaka. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I think I've said all along that the only way that Rice stays is if we price him out. And then we hope that by progressing the team, by making some more big-name signings, pushing up the league again, challenging for trophies, it might just make Rice stay. And I just also wonder, Rice was like a dog with two dicks in the, in those parties. He was mm. absolutely having the best time of his life. They all were. And I just wonder, when he's looked around, he's heard all these chants about him staying. He's heard, he's seen all of those tens of thousands of fans come out. He's been a part of that as a West Ham captain. He's the only player to lift the European trophy since um, Bobby Moore. You know, that's a very elite club from a West Ham standpoint. That is an incredibly elite club. Mm. All of a sudden, does he realise, actually, this is pretty good? You know, <laughs> this, this is, you know, yes, I want to win Champions Leagues and stuff, but equally, if I if I don't, if I do have to say, what I've got right here is actually not that bad. This is the West um, Ham fan talking. It, oh, absolutely, it is. Um and it's it's potentially more out of hope than than expectation. Yeah. What about twenty um, million plus Maguire? <laughs> <laughs> Eight million pound player, mate. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my god. So um, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, the, the, the funny thing is, actually, somebody mentioned this the other day. We when we offered him that contract eighteen months two years ago, I think we offered him two hundred k a year on a stupidly long like eight-year contract, which is probably why he rejected it. Um, but because he didn't sign the contract, he's still on like 60, 50, 60K a week. Yeah. So he's missed out on something like 10 million in wages by rejecting that contract from then to now. Jesus. So that, again, shows you the kind of mentality of him is that yeah. he wasn't bothered about the money. Yeah. Um, I do wonder, though, if we were to turn around and say, right, here's a four-year contract um, or five-year contract, whatever, we'll pay you 200K a week and we'll put a 100 million release clause in it which is what Grealish had. Mm. And then if someone wants you, give us 100 million, done. And then there's no worry about gentleman's agreement or nothing. Somebody can take you. And um, I just wonder whether that might tempt him. Mm. So, but anyway, we shall see. Um, but yeah, as a, as a West Ham fan, amazing night, amazing scenes. 
Uh, absolutely over the moon. Let's hope that we don't have another season Premier League-wise like we did last year. David Moyes did have a history of doing that when he was at Everton, having one good year and one bad year. So yeah. hopefully, as it looks like he's going to be staying, let's hope that he can hit the ground running, make a couple of good signings in the summer. If Skamaka stays, I'd like to see him you know, try and play a bit more to his strengths. And um, yeah, let's see what next season brings. Yeah. So, right. Okay. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, we're going to go through the transfers and then get into Dan's stats to finish off the season. See you in a minute. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show. Uh, my voice is, is slowly disappearing from <laughs> me. Um, right, we're going to talk some transfers now. Um, we'll start before we sort of do a, a hand over to Dan to do a bit of a roundup. Um, let's talk uh, a couple of the really big ones that happened since we last recorded. Uh, Lionel Messi, end of an era, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the return to Barcelona didn't seem, doesn't seem like it's going to happen. They can't afford him. Seems kind of like Messi just didn't want to go down that path again of waiting and waiting and waiting. And he's, he's going to into Miami. Mm. Surprised? Yeah. Um, Thought he'd go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I did, to be fair. Um, yeah, strange. I mean, apparently he's going to earn a, a ton of money from all the endorsements and stuff like that over there. Um, so, I mean, from financial point. But it's funny because part of me is like, surely Messi doesn't need the money. No, I mean, his, so his reasoning for going out there is basically almost to try and get out of the, the limelight a little bit. Um, not sure that's going to happen. No, because of, I don't you know, think he's got a chance. I don't think Messi is going to, is a, is a global superstar. Yeah. Like He's going to get recognised everywhere. So I guess maybe he just means that the league itself doesn't have as much media attention mm. as, as, you know, playing in a European league. Um, I do, I am kind of sorry and sad that uh, Inter Miami robbed us of the opportunity to see Phil Neville managing Lionel Messi. Because <laughs> that would have been... Because you know that he would have benched Messi for the first game yeah. to break him into the side easy. Yeah. He doesn't know the tactics. And then seeing Phil Neville hold up like a tactics board and whisper instructions to Lionel <laughs> Messi <laughs> as to what he's got to do. I'm try and coach him in training. <laughs> it would have been so good. It would have been, honestly, one of the best sight ever. But uh, yeah... Maybe they knew Messi was coming, so they thought, fuck, we need to get rid of this Neville guy because this isn't going to work. Messi's not going to respect him. I was reading earlier that Inter Miami are doing awful. It's like the worst start any MLS team has ever had. Well, they're bottom of the league, aren't they? They're bottom of the East Conference or whatever it is that they play. They've just signed... they just signed... Because they've got, like, Higuain and Matuidi. um, They've just got all these, like, 36-year-old players. Weren't they both of those at um, LA Galaxy? Uh, No, they're they're at Inter Miami. Have they been there for a couple of years? Yeah, oh, okay. Signing from Juventus. So I remember they both went to MLS. Yeah. Um, but I thought they were somewhere else. No, they were at uh, Beckham's team. So, yeah, it's well, an interesting what one. MLS is, isn't it? They sign all the, like, 38-year-old superstars. Yeah, it's either 38-year-old superstars or the, the sort of failed yeah. Premier League players. People like yeah. Bradley Wright Phillips, you know. Mm. Um, who's the other one? Um, Giovanni De Santos was out there for a yeah, while. Yeah, um, Carlos Vela, yeah, he was out there for a while so, as well. So, um, but yeah, no, good luck to him. Obviously, it's, it's it's kind of weird now because we are now reaching the end of this generation. Mm. Um, you know, 
I can I can still remember watching players like Zidane and Ronaldinho and Clarence Seedorf and Beckham and Scholes and all that lot. But it feels like that that generation now it was it, even though it wasn't, it feels like it was so long ago. Yeah. And now we're seeing the next generation of superstars now beginning to move on. Obviously, Ronaldo's career is as good as over, really. I mean, he's still playing and still, you know, earning a lot of money in, in Saudi Arabia. Messi is still playing. But what you're seeing is that these players are no longer in their prime. They're no longer front and centre in Europe. Um, Saudi Arabia are, are sort of doubling down now, aren't they? Because mm. they've now got Benzema, yeah. which was kind of surprising. Um, I don't mean, you know, I think from what I've heard, there might be a bit more to it. Like he's, he's become quite a devout Muslim. Right. Um, I don't know if religions had any part of this at all. Um, and and Golo Kante as well going out there. I'm not suggesting that he's a representation of an end of an era, but it, mm. what it is representing is this new approach from Saudi yeah. Arabia to sign all these players. What, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, it's similar to the whole China thing, wasn't it, when they started snapping up all these players all of a sudden? Yeah, so Saudi Arabia have basically said that they, they want to, they're going to be spending some in the region of 50 billion over the next however long signing top stars aged superstars mm. um to improve their league and it seems like in their mind again akin to the to china thing that they've got this idea in their head that by just buying all these players it suddenly gives their league top status mm. and i've got news for them it doesn't no. like you you're you are not i don't care how many players you sign or how much money you sign them for people are going to your league for one the reason you're having to pay benzema 200 million is because that's the only fucking reason he's going to go there well yeah you're, you're buying finished players yeah <laughs> Um, you know these players have been there, done it. They've they've played in these his, historic teams and tournaments, and, and 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 you know been been huge parts of those clubs' histories. And they've now just decided they want one final payday, and they can say that they want to go over there and win, and it's a great league, and they want to get mm. success. They can say that all they like, but it's not fucking true. Mm. Um, and Saudi Arabia need to be careful because even though they do have a bottomless pit, obviously China's money dried up because the government got involved. Whereas Saudi Arabia, that's unlikely to happen. Mm. But th- this is unsustainable. Yeah. You know, they don't have the, the 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 feet, the boots on the ground to fill these stadiums in the way that they want to. They don't have the quality of the league. I mean, at best, it's probably League Two standard. The rest of their league. Yeah. Um, you can't just transform it overnight with a bunch of players because, mm. for me personally, um, I so su- I don't support individual. I know there's a lot of people out there who do. I don't support a player. No. Like, if Declan Rice went out to Saudi Arabia, I love him to pieces, but I'm not suddenly going to go and support where he yeah. is. I'm still a West Ham fan. I support a team, not a player. Mm. So if West Ham... Uh, sorry, if, if, if all these players went out there, I'm still going to support West Ham. I don't care if the Premier League has been stripped of all its best players. I'm still going to watch the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what they're not getting. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who else goes there. I don't know how long this is going to last, but... You know that they are going to be operating at ridiculous losses with these sorts of wages that they're going to be paying. Mm. Um, no amount of merchandise sales from these shirts or anything else is going to, is going to make any blind bit of difference. Now, look, Middle East money has been propping up football for a long time. You know, we, how many clubs can we name that are owned by Middle Eastern oil companies, um, governments, yeah. and on whatever else and states? So, Middle East money is here, whether we like it or not, but it's not going to change the Saudi Arabian league into suddenly becoming this global brand Mm. um, that they think it's going to maybe in 50 years time, if they keep 
making amazing leagues and all of a sudden it, it gains attention, maybe. Yeah. But it ain't going to happen in the next 10, 20 years, minimum. Right. So, um, and of course the other one's Latan Ibrahimovic. Mm. He has hung up his boots at the age of 41 um, in typical Latan style when he, he didn't tell anybody, announced it. I think the Verona fans were booing him and he sort of like had a go at them back in typical Zlatan style. Um, he's, he's a bit of an enigma. He's got a lot of goals at Zlatan, but he's never really ever been in anybody's conversation for sort of one of the greats no. of football. Where would, you, where would you rank him? Well, I mean, he's played for every top team out there, isn't he? Um, but, other than like Real Madrid. But so, I mean, does, does that diminish his legacy for you? You know, a lot of those other, you know, look at like Ronaldo, he's paid for two or three clubs for a long, long time. Yeah. Messi's played for one club for most of his career. Does the know, fact that he's jumped around change anything I for you? I would quite like that, to sort of play in different countries, different leagues. Um, as a player, personally, you know, to play in like Paris, um, Manchester, uh, it was at LA Galaxy, I think. Was Barcelona, it? Ajax, yeah, Inter Barcelona, Milan. Barcelona, Ajax, Inter Milan, AC Milan. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd quite enjoy playing for all those different teams. He's practically played in every top side in every top league in the mm. world. In fact, he has. You know, when he hasn't really, he hasn't played in Germany. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think that for me, and you got to remember, he's forty-one. Yeah, he's he's an incredible athlete and to he's keep still playing. playing at you know the top yeah. sort of standard football. I just wonder whether you know his. I don't know how much of it of it is an act. The whole. He, he's like he's a personality yeah, he? yeah he is like the to me he's like the football equivalent of Deadpool yeah he's the anti-hero yeah. in it, and he enjoy. I think he enjoys it yeah um, and I don't know whether sometimes he goes too far with it that it puts it almost goes the other way yeah um, and it maybe detracts from his footballing ability mm. but you know you don't watch a, watch go watch a highlight reel of him on YouTube he has scored some fucking unbelievable goals in his time against England yeah I mean that over a kick for <laughs> yeah. England uh, you know, let's not forget he scored. How many goals did he get for United in his first year? In, the, in fact, he was only there a year, wasn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, because he. Uh, I think we sold him in the second year because he had that bad injury and he didn't play half the season. Um, yeah, he scored nearly, double, nearly double thirty figures. goals. Yeah, yeah. Was it as high as thirty? Yeah, I think it? it was like seventeen or so. Okay, it wasn't yeah. quite as high as I thought then. But even so, I mean, he was there. You know, won trophies. Yeah. I think that was the year that you won two, three trophies. Yeah, because we won the Europa League. And the FA Cup, I think. Yeah, and the Community Shield, um, yeah, which the Shield, uh, yeah. Jose Mourinho was uh, very keen to make sure everyone remembered that he'd won that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But again, he's another one of those players that's, you know, the end of an era. So I'm just trying to think of the other players who are coming to the end of their careers who could basically say to us right now, we really are at the end of an era. I'm thinking, you know, Lewandowski, mm. Neymar... You know, any any others you can think of that you could say would be would help mark the end of the series? Because Messi and Ronaldo haven't retired; they're still playing. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to think of what other players you would put into that category. Modric, yeah. Um, Although he still looks like he could play for another couple of years. Yeah, he does. He's he's just, he's not human, that bloke. Mm. So yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. Um, Thiago Silva, yeah, Thiago Silva for sure. Um, yeah, it's good. You know, you. Whenever a generational thing comes to an end, you're always looking at right who's the next, you know, and you're looking at players like Mbappe, Haaland, mm. um, you know, De Bruyne is not getting any younger, and he was no. Harry Kane. Or, you know, do we include them in the same generational bracket? Probably just about, I guess. So um, anyway, 
Yeah, interesting interesting things. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on how Messi does. There were some rumours around that he might be going back on loan to Barcelona, but I don't think that is true. I think that, uh, that has been quite I'd quashed. be surprised, yeah. It would be a strange one. So um, yeah, we get to get to see him in a in a into Miami shirt along with uh, somebody that well we don't know him but we, he used to live local to where we mm. are. He's just been signed by into into Miami. Uh, into, um, was it not? No. Who did he get signed by? Signed by someone in the division below, wasn't it? I thought it was, who was it then? It was some. It was Miami. Yeah, but it wasn't into. It was, Miami. All right, okay, fine. All right, screw that bit then. <laughs> uh, right, uh, Dan, over to you for some transfers. Yes. Uh, yeah, so this one made me laugh. Uh, Leeds goalkeeper Meslier is open to joining Chelsea, but only if he is signed as their first choice goalkeeper. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm open to playing for West Ham, but only if they make me their number nine. I mean, I think, I think he's uh, might be living in a bit of a fantasy world there. Yeah, uh, I he's mean, obviously I'm... not seen his highlight reel for the last two seasons. I mean, I agree that Chelsea probably could they do another. I mean, I don't know where they they've got two good goalies, but they neither of them have really shone in recent times. Mm. So I do wonder what Pochettino will do with the goalkeeper situation there. Does he does he think that one or both of them are good enough to stay? Will he see that as not an urgent position that needs to be changed? I mean, you look at their defensive record this year; the number of goals they conceded was pretty low. Mm. So. He might not view that as a, an urgent position to fill. Uh, and sorry, Meslier, but if he does, he's not calling you. No. <laughs> um, Tottenham are progressing with a move for goalkeeper David Raya. All right. Tottenham are. Tottenham. Interesting. Um, I think he, I heard he's only got a year left on his contract as well. Mm. I think I don't think he's planning on signing no, a new one. I think so he's already said that he doesn't want to stay. Well. That puts the uh, the cards in, in Tottenham's hands if they're going to bid for him. Could they get him slightly cheaper? Um, I think it'd be a coup. I think anybody that... I think, I you know, if anybody needs a goalie out there, and I'm looking at United as well, David Raya, if he can be got for 30-odd million, I think that would be a steal, Yeah, actually. I mean, I'm surprised we're not going for him, actually. For some reason, we're looking at Pickford, apparently. Although that was reported by the Sun, so... <laughs> I hope you get Pickford. Oh fucking hell! Can just, just, just for the just for the memes on the podcast. <laughs> um, United will only accept a permanent deal for Harry Maguire, but they would consider loaning him to Aston Villa. Really, mm. Aston Villa, Tyro Mings and Harry Maguire at centre back. Does that does that please Aston Villa fans? <laughs> the thought of that. Mm. I mean. I, just, I honestly, and this is this is not me trying to take the piss of Harry Maguire. I just don't see where he fits in at almost any other club. The only one I can see him working in is Everton with Sean Dyche because mm. of the, the brand of football. Hilariously, he probably could work at West Ham. I just yeah, don't fucking want him there. Yeah, I was going to say Everton and West Ham with that. Maybe Burnley, but I don't know how. Not now with company because they're, yeah, they're they're much more progressive. Don't they? Um, yeah, he he is. Like we have those managers who sort of like, you know, we cast them as dinosaurs and football passes them by. Maguire is not a million miles from that. And I, I do think that for all the, the jokes and for all the abuse that we give him, he's a better player than what we've seen at United in the last 18 months to two years. England has showed that. Mm. Um, what he needs is to be out of the spotlight, 
be out of a club that is trying to get back to being the, the powerhouse that it used to be. Mm. I just don't think he's that he's good enough at that level, frankly. Yeah. So Villa would be a good shout, I think. Um, or or, or a, any club of that level. And I, unfortunately, I do include West Ham in there. Um, if I had to be deadly serious, I'd be really disappointed if I saw Harry Maguire coming to West Ham. But at the same time, I would still try and look at it as a glass half four and think, well, if we get the England Harry Maguire, maybe it wouldn't be too bad. If we get the Man United Maguire, then it's a different story. Um, it's going to depend on money, isn't it? Mm. If they can loan, if they, if Villa loan him, I think you're fine because if he turns out any shit, then nothing lost, nothing yeah, gained other than yeah. maybe a, a small fee for the loan. But yeah, it's, his career is very much in the balance because his next move, if it doesn't go well, his career could be as good as over at yeah, the top level. Yeah. Um, and he may, he could be another one going off to the MLS. Yeah, exactly. It could be a Joe Hart situation. Probably. Yeah, Just absolutely could. Um, which would be a real shame because, you know, you think, I know United obviously overpaid massively for him, but there was a reason he was commanding big, I think big he money. would work in a certain system. Yeah. It's just not the system United play. Um, Crystal Palace's Wilfred Zahar is in talks with PSG over a free transfer. Ooh. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Sorry, my hay fever has just suddenly gone mental. Um, I think this could be... It's a dangerous move, I feel, mm. for Zahar. He's liked, he's loved, he knows his position, he knows his role. I'm pretty sure he's club captain. Um, he will see this as last chance saloon in terms of getting a big move somewhere. <gasps> Um, would he play at PSG? I mean, I'm That's trying to thing, th- trying mean, to think who they've got. They've got they've still got that. Still got, is it that Etikeke? Yeah, he's still there. Um, is Di Maria still there? He's at Juventus. I think. Is he okay? Um, I mean, look, he'd be he'd be playing in a team that's almost guaranteed a trophy. They get almost guaranteed the league. They probably win the cup. If he just wants to be part of a successful team that wins trophies, regardless of how good, bad, or indifferent the league is, it's probably a good move. Mm. But he would need to understand and accept that he's going from a big fish in a little pond to a very small fish in a very big pond. Mm. Um, and he may, it might be, you think of the culture, the, the culture shock he probably had at a young age when he went from Palace to United. Mm. He might get that again because PSG is renowned for being a club full of full of egos um, and they do need a front line that can actually defend mm. because the front three they've had in the past, Neymar, Messi and, and uh, Mbappe, they just don't defend and they don't no. want to defend no. and you can't have that at, at the elite level in, in the Champions League. So does Sahar give them enough going the other way? I don't know. Interesting one, but yeah. wouldn't surprise me if he did go. I think maybe the PS, that opportunity is almost too good to turn down. Um maybe sign a short-term contract just to cover yourself and then you can go back to Palace, frankly, mm. see and see how it works. Um, Liverpool are apparently set to move for James Ward-Prowse. Interesting. Um, any ideas on money? No, it just says they're set to move for James Ward-Prowse after appearing to lose out on Mason Mount. I didn't even know they were in the running for Mason no, Mount. Um, I've never heard their, their name mentioned. Um, can't imagine it would be over <sighs> 30. 
I don't know. How, I don't know how long his contract is at Southampton. Mm. Um, so they might not be in a in a urgent position to sell. Um, I don't know. If it feel, that feels like a bit of a Jordan Henderson. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he really improves their midfield that much. No, I mean obviously they're losing Milner. Jordan Henderson is coming towards the end of his mm. career. Um, is is James Ward Prowse an upgrade on either of those two? I'm not sure he is. Mm. Like he's 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 like he's good with the ball. Don't get me wrong. He's obviously incredible at set pieces. Um, does he does he play for a club like Liverpool who who next year will harbour ambitions at challenging again? They mm. won't want another season like this. They want to build a team that can go and push City again, and and try and get back into the top four. So. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. That's uh, that. You know, if he's available for thirty million, I think that would be a good price for him. Bearing in mind he's English, um, I'm just not sure he's good enough for that level. Mm. I'm not sure. Um, last sort of one to wrap it up, really. Um, not actually a player transfer, but apparently Gerard is considering an offer to become manager of. Saudi Arabian club Al Ittifaq. <laughs> tell me your managerial career is not going well. Without telling me your managerial career is not going well. Um, he's going there for the same reason all the players yeah. are because he's probably going to get paid a fuck ton of money. Yeah, um, yeah I, whatever. Frankly, um, the trouble is with that move is that even if he does well, even if he wins the league out there. That's not going to hold any weight to the conversation when he tries to get a job back in the Premier exactly. League. How do you how do you come back? You know, even if if he wins three seasons in a row, it's like yeah. I mean, does that really hold any weight um, other than having a, a taste of success and being able to get a team get it over the line? It's just not the same. Mm. They're, they're, they're so uncomparable the two leagues. So then again, the uh, matey that's just won the Scottish division with Celtic's getting the Spurs job. So yeah, it's true. But I mean. It's a two horse race. It, it is, but he, you know he's. I see. Yeah, I take your point. <laughs> he's not won anything else. No, it? but I, and I suppose the only thing I would say is that you know this is a team that does play in Europe. I know they don't generally do very well in it. They, but... they participate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're in it for a bit. Um, yeah, I take your point. That's the more I think about it. I take your point. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. it's it's a case of when, not if, yeah. more players go to that Saudi Arabian league. Um, and I, I just, it'd be interesting to see how much media coverage like Sky Sports give it. You know, do do they um, do they try and, you know, if they probably paid some backhanded money and say, yeah. right, make sure you cover. Because, you know, they cover the Ronaldo. It's always on Sky Sports yeah, News yeah. if Ronaldo's done something. You know, will they give the same level of coverage to Benzema or Kante mm. or anybody else that goes out there? I don't, I'm not so sure. Um, just before we move on to the stat, um, there's a couple of couple of bits I wanted to uh, just touch on, just to wind things up. Mm-hmm. Um, can we just show some level of appreciation um, for the only man to have stopped Man City from winning the quadruple, Nathan Jones at Southampton? Yeah. <laughs> Had an absolute shocker and stinker of a time, but he stopped Man City yeah. <laughs> from potentially winning the quadruple. Oh, you would never have heard the end of that, mate, if they no, won the quadruple. No. Holy shit. So, um, yeah, um, the other thing I was going to mention, um, 
oh, it's gone out of my head now. That's really annoying. It was a, it was a, it was a transfer rumor that I'd heard um, to United. I can't remember what it was. Um, Striker. Yeah. Oh, Osherman. Um, the link has come up again today. Um, so they were talking about it on Sky Sports News. Um, the, it sounds more and more like United do want to sign two strikers, not one. Oh, okay. Um, the what is his what's his name? The um, the kid from Atlanta. Zoyland. Yeah. Apparently, they're looking at him as potentially not a now striker. Right. That they buy I'm him, coming. but not make him your main striker. So depending on how much you have to pay for him, that could be quite an expensive backup striker. I think we've been linked with like 30 mil, which isn't too okay. bad for a 20-year-old. Yeah, that would be okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then the question comes back to, um, we sort of touched on it earlier about Harry Kane. Um, apparently, he it, it's looking more likely that he won't go to United. This is more because Levy doesn't want to sell rather than United not wanting to buy. Mm. Um, how, do you, how do you view that Kane? I suppose we can touch on this. How do you view the Kane situation? To be honest, what from a United point of view, or from a... just in general, like do you, do you, you know, is this a good move by Levy to to block this sort of transfer? No, well, I mean, if <laughs> problem is, I think if Spurs sold Kane, the fans would sort of be up in arms, wouldn't they? In terms of like, it, it's just so unambitious. But if you keep him and then lose him for nothing, it... what's I mean, what's worse, selling well... him for a hundred million to a big rival? Or losing him for nothing next year. Mm. What's 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 worse to a Tottenham fan? I mean, you've seen how key is to Spurs this season. You know they've had a shocking season, and yet he's still got close to Haaland in terms of goals. Um, in terms of United, I think if we were to sign two strikers. Ideally, it would be better to get Kane and this Voiland rather than Osserman and this Voiland because, you know, Kane's close to 30, so give it a couple of years and Voiland to sort of learn the trade from him, it's almost like a passing of the baton. Yeah. Um, whereas Osserman, I think, is only like 24. So, you know, how is, <coughs> how is Voiland ever going to get a look in if Osserman's, you know... Your main striker for the next eight, eight years. years or so, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, so from what from what they said... Levy doesn't want to sell to a Premier League rival. So basically he's saying that he's not going to sell to a Premier League club mm. because any rival, any inverted commas, basically means top six because they're the only ones that are going to come in for him. They're the only ones that Kane would, would um, entertain in terms of going to. Um, do you... <sighs> do you think this is talk? You know, if you're not aware to come in and say, oh, right, well, we'll give you 95 million for Kane now, do you think that Levy's tone would change if that money was on the table? I think he'd want more than that. For a 30-year-old striker with one year to his contract, they'd want no more than 95 million. I think so. I think this is uh, I think this is dangerous. The only thing I can think of is that Postacoglu has probably gone in there and they, they, you know, they're not stupid, as you said. They know how important Kane is mm. to their team. Postacoglu is basically last chance saloon for Daniel Levy to convince Kane to stick stick with Tottenham for the for the the next contract he signs basically keeps him there for the rest of his career mm-hmm. because he's going to sign a three or four year contract you would think. Mm-hmm. So what Postacoglu's got to do, he's got to come in and he's got to sell the project to Kane, mm-hmm. and he's got to show him that I can build something here if you stick with me and be part of it. I would imagine that probably does you know in the best scenario Kane stays with Spurs and they win something at Spurs. That's the best case scenario for, for, for Harry Kane. 
So I don't think he's against staying with, with Spurs. But I think having seen what he's seen this season and seen the fact that, you know, the manager's gone again, um, who knows who's going to be coming in. This, you know, can they really attract big name players when they're not in Europe? Mm. They've got a manager who, as much as Tottenham want to say he was, was not first choice. I don't care what they say. The signs right now are not brilliant. So I think Postacoglu has got one hell of a job on to convince Kane that, you know, here's, here's where you need to be to play your football for the mm-hmm. next few years. But, you know, that's the risk it looks like Levy wants to take. Um, if uh, if they turn around and say, is that rain? No. Nah. Okay. Water I thought it was rain. I was like, oh God, there's, there's <laughs> got washing out there. Sorry for the sidetrack. Um, yeah, if, if, if this doesn't work out, um, this is going to be a very expensive mistake from Daniel Levy. Um, so I, I, I might have to reach out to a few Spurs fans because I'm genuinely interested to know what they would prefer. Mm. Sell him now for 100 million or lose him for nothing next season. Yeah. Or risk or risk losing him for nothing. I'm not suggesting that he won't sign another contract. He may well do. Yeah. Um, if he does sign another contract, I suspect he will demand a release clause in there of something like 80 or 90 million. Mm. If, if a release clause goes in at 120, 130 million, he won't accept that because he knows no one will pay it. Yeah. Um, especially at his age. So, right, okay. Uh, well, I guess we'll uh, we'll round out the show and the season with this. Down the stack, man! So Manchester is only the second city with two different European Cup slash Champions League winners. After who? Do you say English or United Kingdom? No. Do you want me to read it again? Oh, was it just cities in general? Yeah. Oh, okay. So not necessarily English then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that changes my answer considerably. <laughs> um, what were you going to say, London? No, I was actually, I was actually going to say uh, Liverpool. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if Everton maybe won one back in the day oh, or something. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, all right. Uh, what have we got then? Glasgow? Nope. Okay, well, if it's not England, then I will go just thinking around the town. What? What? It's got to be Milan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Inter and AC Milan. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Happy myself. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. Right. Um, well, we have reached the end of another season. Mm. Um, it's been fun. It's uh, crazy that we've reached the end of another one. It's gone very, very quickly. Um, I have actually just started to release those videos we were talking about last week. Mm -hmm. So the first one went out uh, today or yesterday at the time of the releasing of this podcast. Um, They will continue to release across the week. Uh, We are going to be doing some more stuff on, on Twitch in the summer as well. And yeah, I think that's kind of all there is to it. So make sure you're following us on, on YouTube, make sure you keep up to date. We will Actually, I'm not going to guarantee it because this is me we're talking about. (laughs) I do plan to have all three of Dan's forfeits done before we return for the podcast in uh, late July. Um, Don't hold your breath. (laughs) (laughs) So the plan for next season is that, um, you know, we we are, there's talk, uh, I might as well say it now just to keep, sort of prepare everybody. The the word is, is that we are potentially going to move to a Sunday night recording and a Monday release. Um, This enables us to, react a bit more um 
urgently to obviously the weekend's football, but it also just works a bit better with um, people's work schedules. Obviously, your work schedule now being completely different, yeah, and potentially not living as local as you once did. Um, and yeah, we do want to uh, make a, a push for for things next year. I've got a couple of ideas of of different features and things that we can include next year's podcast just to mix it up. Um, but if you have any thoughts or opinions on what we've done well this year, what we haven't done so well, things you'd like us to include next year, then please do reach out to us either personally if you know us or DM us on socials. Send an email to show at kickabout.co.uk. Um, but uh, yeah, next year, I've, I very much want next year to be the year that we really push yeah. this podcast. Now we're going into our fourth year. Whilst the viewership has remained steady, which has been brilliant to see, we've obviously got a very loyal fan base. So thank you, everyone who's listened. Um, I would love to see those numbers really rise and start to yeah, get... Yeah, we need to get it out there, don't we? Yeah, I see those numbers get properly into the three figures on a regular basis um, per episode. So, so yeah, um, thank you very much, everybody. Have a great summer, and we'll see you all in July. Yeah, see you later.